Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. You actually see the live meet timer counting up. The splits come across the screen as the swimmers touch the pads. It has all the information you're looking for. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. There are so many things you can do with this software. Swim Nerd Live turns any smart TV into a portable digital scoreboard. Hang a TV out in the hallway of the pool or on both sides of the stands. This is perfect when you have swim meets and the kids are in the gym down the hall. They've made it incredibly simple for anyone to watch. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. And here's the cherry on top. Swim Nerd Live also provides advertising space for you to show off your sponsors, promote your upcoming swim camp, or have your alumni just one click away from donating. This software will pay for itself. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Okay, Michael Andrew, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. I've been like seeing your podcast up and running for months now. I'm like, I'm ready to get on there. This is fun. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you saying yes. It's uh, you're a hard man to track down. You're you're busy, obviously, but uh, where are you at right now? Yeah, so we're in Encinitas, California. So it's been home for the last two years. Yeah, we moved out here in December of 2018. Oh, very paradise. Good. Yeah, it is. I, I moved out to LA about seven months ago now and um you know i love it uh, apart from the lockdown that we're in um so oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of the world you know yeah we're pretty fortunate where we are everything's relatively open obviously we still have our same like restaurant shutdowns things like that hard to yeah. find pool time i know you guys have been struggling with pool space quite a bit as well yeah but I got the ocean like a block away. So I literally just can run down and surf if I need to. <laughs> I know that's the nice thing. I just spent uh, a couple of, uh, a week in Hawaii and uh, it was the same thing out there. You could go to the pool or go to the ocean and you kind of get the best of both worlds, which is nice. Right. right? Oh, so good. Yeah. My sister's actually out there right now as well. And I'm like mm -hmm. really jealous. She sent me a video for jumping off. Uh, like they went to like a little um, waterfall. Just uh -huh. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful beautiful place uh and for my first time there but certainly going to go back and I, I ran into anthony irvin out there so that was yeah cool tony yeah is he he's, is he out there full time now or is he just kind of he told me he's out there for a while you know until until the smoke clears on all this stuff he's yeah. he's got a perfect training environment for himself and it's obviously better. obviously in the lead up to yeah. to tokyo uh, with elliot out there right yep training with elliot so yeah pretty cool so but anyway, man, how, uh, how are you doing in the new year? How's everything been for you? It's been awesome. Actually, I feel like ever since we've kind of hit this 2021, and I've, I've never been one to look at 2020 as like a bad year. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. Personally, I thought it was a great year. Um, but, you know, since it's changed around, we've gotten really good pool access. We've gotten a routine kind of set up. Uh, we're very fortunate to have a really nice community here. Um, with the YMCA so we know all the lifeguards really well we know the management really well and and they've been super forthright in helping us like hey we understand this is the vision this is the goal we want to help you get there and so they've been super 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 helpful in getting us pool space that we need um, the routine is a little different than it used to be but we have you know kind of going into this start of this next like five months lead up uh, we've got everything set up which is really nice because um, obviously you know starting March of 2020, 
we really didn't know where we would be training the next day. We didn't know what was going to happen. Things were shutting down. Things were opening up. Just yeah. really a lot of weirdness. So it's been a really a pretty nice start to the 2021 year. Um, and other than that, I mean, man, the surf's been huge. I think we've been having like six to seven foot swells for the last week and a bit. And I've been catching some some pretty sketchy bombs off of <laughs> D Street. So D Street, here's a little shore break. And I mean, there's a lot of kids that come and uh, don't walk out of the surf because they, they're boogie boarding too shallow and they like snap their necks. And so oh, it's, wow. it's a, it can be a sketchy day. But yeah, I've been having a lot of fun just being home training um, and kind of a little retouch on like this last year is I, I needed that break away from the routine and the consistency to mentally just kind of a, just a full on reset. Uh, and it was really good for relationships, things like that. And now we're into 2021, this like couple months of just pure focus, head down, knowing like, okay, like Olympic games is not that far mm -hmm. away. Um, and it's nice that we can now train for it. Yeah, well, in saying that, uh, being so close, you don't uh, fear injury in terms of getting out in seven foot swell like that? No, I don't. Um, I'm very careful. I'm very cautious. Um, I've always been an athlete. I, I played multiple sports growing up, and it was one of those things where I, I understood the risk, um, but I also realized if I, was, if I went into something fearful of it, I almost set myself up for injury. Um, mm -hmm. I have a funny story. It's like when I was – so I, I used to play soccer a lot. And I was a goalkeeper. And whenever I had the fear of getting hit in the nuts or the face mm -hmm. that game, it would be the only place the ball would ever come to me. <laughs> and it, it was awful. And so I realized I had to kind of go into it with this attitude, knowing, okay, I'm going to be cautious. I'm going to know there's a risk involved. And, you know, if it's too big, if it's too treacherous, I don't go out. Like if no one's out there, like there's a reason no one's out there. Um, but it does help being a very strong swimmer. So I'm able to get through most sets that other people can't. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that goes to kind of, you know, talks about your personality a little bit too. And that every interaction I've ever had with you has been, you know, you've got, you almost look at the brighter side of life. You always look at the positives. You've got a, a healthy glow about you. Whenever I meet you, like you're smiling, you're happy, you're, you're uh, thankful, you're appreciative. Um, you're just, you're obviously well-raised. Um, but in terms of just, you know, you said 2020 was a good year for you. What, what were the things that you took from that that you know made you feel like it was a great year yeah well i remember um so kind of at the start of the shutdown so it was march um i had just come off of the pro series um in iowa swam amazingly was 156 mid uh or 156.8 really happy with like the trajectory we had kind of going into trials and we were for the first time in a while like really confident and we knew okay like this is it like we are on the right track um but everything then immediately sh shut down all hit the fan um and i remember the first couple of weeks kind of sitting back not training didn't know what was going to happen didn't know what to do and i realized i can now either decide and this is kind of goes back to what you said it's like this attitude is we have a choice on how we're going to react to it um and so you know being raised the way i was I decided to look at this as a positive. I have an extra year to get ready, to get stronger. Um, and then I took that time. And in that time, because we had a lot more freedom, we, we dove into our relationships and the community around us. Mm -hmm. uh, I became much closer with my sister. I communicated with like our group at our church. Like we had this 
we started doing these um, Sunday lunches where every day, every Sunday uh, after church, a group of us would go and we'd hang out at the beach, we'd get together and just create this community. Um, and nothing spiritual or weird about it. But what I realized is, you know, when you're performing and you're training and you're racing, you you kind of give up a lot of that and you you just you it's a distraction at some extent but what i realized is going through those kind of tough very focused times it's not as much worth it if you don't have someone to celebrate it with afterwards mm -hmm. um and so that was really really cool for me because this was like my first season where i had this strong group of friends guys girls that supported me loved me but didn't know me as swimmer michael i think all of my relationships prior were like this is Michael Andrew, the guy with the check mark on the Instagram. He's fast swimmer, Olympic hopeful, all these yeah. things. And it was cool just to have that uh, a new perspective. Uh, I feel like 2020, if I was to give it a word, it would have been perspective because it really, it shifted everyone's um, pretty forcibly, mm -hmm. which is, you know, hard for some people to swallow. But that was really where a lot of the, my kind of positive outlook on 2020 came is, I, I grew emotionally, I grew mentally, and just with those relationships was was huge. Have you had COVID yet? Are you are you fearful of getting it? So, um, <laughs> okay, so I wasn't going to actually tell anyone, but I did. I had it a couple weeks ago, okay. um, and I've never been fearful of it. Even when I had it, I wasn't fearful. I remember getting the call from. I went and so here's a little story. As we. I got home. This was after Budapest. Um, I think it was just from a long day of travel. My body was physically worn out. So I think I likely wouldn't have caught it if I had rested and took take better care of my body. Um, mm -hmm. But I was in a point of weakness where obviously any virus that enters the body is going to be able to have a little more stronghold. And started out as what just felt like a cold. Yep. And then I um, <laughs> one morning was drinking coffee that my sister made and she's an absolute coffee snob, like really <laughs> incredible. And I drank and I was like, Hill, this tastes like nothing. Like this doesn't taste like your regular cup of coffee. Oh, wow. And she was like, uh oh. And so we started doing these weird tests. And so at one point I was eating instant coffee granules on my tongue, just raw, couldn't taste a thing. She tried it, it was almost throwing up in the kitchen sink. And so we realized, okay, there's probably something up. Realized that I couldn't smell things, couldn't smell candles, whatever. So I went and got tested the day later. Realized, okay, like, I've got it. Um, so we self-quarantined, did the whole process. Everything came back really quickly. Um, but what's actually been... So we're kind of not... I wouldn't say conspiracy theory type family, but we're definitely on the side where we, we look for what other methods are there. And that's like the same with the way we train. It's just because yep. everyone's headed one direction why do we have to follow that direction sure. and so my mom's very studied very well researched and so mm -hmm. she found this um it's ivermectin i'm not entirely sure what it is or what it does uh, but i know it kills parasites i believe um don't quote me on that but it's it's uh something you can get prescribed and so we got it and i've been perfectly healthy ever since so it's been really cool to kind of see that you know there's there's a little more to the story than everything that's happening with COVID and yeah. you know, I, I do think it's uh, pretty devastating, obviously what's been happening around the world and it makes sense why things have been shut down. But uh, 
yeah, we, we just figured out, okay, we'll try this and experiment with it. And my body took to it really well. So nice. Well, it's, it's never. nice that you, you got through it. Well, uh, I, look, I'm of the opinion that it's kind of almost inevitable for everybody. We're, we're all going to get it at some point. I think I'm glad yeah. the vaccines here. I, I, I certainly will get the vaccine. Yeah. Is that something you think you would do? Take the vaccine? Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to just because I've already had it. Yeah. Uh, so my thought pattern is kind of like if I've already got it, there's not as much health risk for me. Obviously, I, I think it makes more sense for someone older age, can't fight it, it makes sure. it as well. Um, yeah. It also depends on what happens when the Olympics comes around and if they say, okay, you have to take the vaccine in order to go. Mm. You know, that's kind of the point when we redecide, okay, is this obviously, you know, for that, it makes sense. But yeah, sure. We'll see. I know well, if, and if I was to like sign up for it, my, my waiting list, I'm very far in the back of the line anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Could, could be a few months anyway. anyway. Yeah. Now listen, just to, it kind of goes along with that. I mean, you're a very controversial figure within the sport of swimming for, for various reasons. seems like everybody's got an opinion on Michael Andrew. What's your, what's your opinion of everybody else's opinion of you? Uh, so it's my opinion of everybody else's opinion on me would be kind of twofold. So for those that have a negative opinion of us, it's you haven't spent the time to actually get to know us, get to know our heart, what we stand for, what our purpose is, kind of what we believe in. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, I'm pretty certain that if people really took the time to get to know us, and you know, I've seen this over our, the path of my or the journey of my career, as they get to know us, their perspective changes, their view of us changes, because they see that we just love the sport, we love swimming fast, and we tend to do things a little differently than others, and that's what makes us stand out. And so I think that's kind of where it goes. And then for those that are full in support of us, I guess my opinion is just like, I appreciate it, like I'm honored, because you know, being in held in a position of kind of, I don't want to say leadership, but there's a lot of people watching what we do. A lot of people learn from what we do. And so there's, there's an aspect where we are kind of leading people a certain direction. Um, and so that's humbling. I'm very honored. And I take that. I don't take that lightly. And it's something that I want to make sure that I uh, take very seriously. Yeah, I got to tell, I got to tell you up to a couple of years ago, I was probably on the fence because I'm, I'm, I've fallen into that first category of not knowing you. Like I don't, I didn't know you or your family. So I am only hearing what other people say or what I'm reading or maybe what I'm seeing. And so I kind of just was reserved in, in terms of my opinion. And it wasn't until you and I spent a little bit of time together on the road in, in 2018, I think it was at, at the Man Nostrum, we kind of yeah. traveled around a little bit together and you were on your own, you were away from your parents and I saw you operate. I saw the way that you prepared yourself, you know, sitting down to eat a meal, preparing to warm up, racing, competing, going to meet after meet back to back. Um, and just watching you travel and, and the way you interacted with, with the other swimmers too, just your overall, um, you know, personality. I, appreciate I, I mean, it totally shifted my opinion into the positive. I mean, here was a young kid who's very mature, who's very passionate about the sport and who's super competitive. And I'm like, what, what, what could you not like about this kid? I mean, he, he, he loves to win. He yeah. hates to lose. 
But he's the first person to shake someone's hand and congratulate them, whether it be privately or on social media. I mean, I think you're a great guy. I mean, honestly, it's just the way I believe it, you know? I appreciate that. I feel like I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth. And, and so where does, where does that come from? Is that just something, is that just the way you were raised? I, I give it all to my parents. Um, I think it's, it's really cool being 21 years old now and kind of looking back at the way I was raised and it was filled with discipline. Um, you know, I wasn't always the greatest child. I got spankings and I had timeouts and things like that. And so I see how, you know, being given everything can spoil a child. And so I'm really grateful for the way I was raised. And, you know, my parents taught me about being humble and my mom forced me into so many all sorts of events. And we, we were very well traveled also. I think that played a huge role in my development is, you know, going pro at 14 and racing internationally at such a young age, it definitely, I mean, to put it lightly, forces you to grow up very quickly. Sure. And, um, you know, I had a lot of incredible mentors, spiritual mentors, friends or athletes that have already gone the distance who also came alongside us as a family and saw this happening. And they're like, okay, like, there's something special here. We want to help and be a part of this. And so that's kind of, you know, it's a collective group. It takes a village a hundred percent. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for my parents, my sister and, and everyone else that's part of my team. Well, in regards to that decision, I guess that's where the controversy starts is, is that, you know, turning pro at 14, everybody had an opinion on this. And, and so looking back now, do you still believe it was the right decision? Oh, hundred percent. I, I sometimes think about, so I, I probably would have gone and swum at the University of Texas, mm -hmm. uh, hook them horns all the way. Like I even remember reading like, or uh, there was like a second grade note, like way when I was very young, I wrote something about swimming at the University of Texas. Yep. I never thought much of it. And I didn't even know I knew the University of Texas was a thing back then. And so I think, you know, there's a cool group and it's a lot of my good friends in the swimming world are out at Texas. But I don't regret it for a second. Um, I've had so many incredible experiences as a pro. I'm 21 and I'm earning a very good living, racing, doing what I love. My dad's my coach. Like my mom, we've, she's been my manager for so many years. It's really just, there's an awesome dynamic. Um, obviously, we've had our fair share of turmoil and things that we've had to deal with internally as a family. But it's also brought us closer. Um, and so... I, I uh, yeah, I wouldn't have changed it at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of um, being groundbreaking and kind of setting a path, I mean, other people may follow in the future. What, what would be your advice to anybody who may think, well, I'm going to do what Michael Andrew did? <laughs> it's hard. Um, it hasn't been easy. I mean, advice, that's, it's tricky. I mean, what um, were the learning, uh, you know, pr probably, I, I don't, wouldn't say there were stumbling blocks or anything like that, yeah. but what are the lessons learned so that you might look back on? Biggest, I think my biggest lesson learned, um, and it's kind of, I learned this maybe, maybe like two years following going pro. So when I went pro, I struggled for the first year and a half figuring out what my purpose was. I didn't really know why I did it. I knew I loved swimming. I knew I enjoyed swimming fast. And up to 14 years old, I was breaking national records every weekend, sometimes three, four national records a meet. Yep. And I was on this record tear. And then when I went pro, I felt like 
how do I now justify me being here at this level? Mm -hmm. Have I, have I proved myself enough up to now to kind of earn this spotlight? Um, and it didn't help that everyone on Swim Swam or Swimming World was saying, oh, this is ridiculous. He's mm -hmm. bubble boy. His parents are controlling him. They're taking his money, which we weren't making any money at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think if I could give anyone advice, it was find out as early as possible what your why is. Why do you swim? Why do you do this in the first place? And if money ever gets involved and companies and having to try and prove your value and your worth understand that you are not defined by your sport you're not defined by your profession you're defined by whom you're loved and who you love and that's kind of circles back even to 2020 this whole relationship spoke is we you know eventually we're going to lay on our deathbed and think man what a cool journey, but I'm not going to think, oh, I want my Marinostrum trophy. I want my gold medals here. I want my Lamborghini or whatever it is. I want the people. I want the relationships because those are what's last. And it's hard to kind of see that as a 14 year old because, you know, we don't think about those things later on. And so that's what I've kind of learned with maturity. And as I go through the through my career and feels like we're just getting started, it's, um, interesting how quickly you learn to appreciate the smaller things apart from just all the highs. Um, and it doesn't change the fact that, you know, I love winning. I love competing and being the best, but it's just not going to last. Um, so that's kind of my uh, roundabout yeah. advice. Yeah, it's good advice. Were, were there moments where you stood behind the blocks and, and were, um, were, were carrying that baggage with you? Always. A hundred percent. A lot of it was through my like, so I kind of understood and I learned through through a, uh, a Bible retreat I actually went to. It was, that was the first time I heard having a purpose-based identity over a performance-based identity. So mm -hmm. it makes sense in the world I live in. You, you only get a sponsor if you're winning, if you're breaking records. Yep. Like nobody wants to pay you if you're losing. Yep. And, and that makes sense. That's fair. Um, but love can't be earned if it's earned, it's not love. And so that's kind of where it started to tick when I was maybe 15, 16 and then 17, 18, I started swimming a lot faster, but didn't really hit the stride that I was like, I was on the same trajectory. It's kind of a little bit of a, not a plateau, but it just didn't climb as fast as it was. And I remember there were meets where I'd show up so afraid to be beaten by some other kid because what would people say? Yeah. What would this look like? And so that was kind of a, a tough season and it makes it hard to really focus in on training and on your diet, your health, your sleep, things like that, because you're so focused on not losing that in a roundabout way, that's all you're thinking about. So in theory, you're just thinking about that loss. That's kind of what you're picturing, what you're mm -hmm. visualizing. Um, For sure. And so, you know, you have to be able to turn that into positive self-talk and be able to say, okay, like I see myself here. I see this happening. And this is the game plan. This is the map. This is what it looks like for me to do it. And then you start to implement it over time. Um, 
So yeah, definitely had those tough days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we all have. Yours is just magnified because uh, of the of the comment section. What about the comment section? Do you do you look at it? Do you pay attention to it? I'm sure there was probably a time where it, it probably got to you. I mean, any teenage kid, yeah. it probably gets to you, right? 100%. So it was interesting. Actually, I feel like, so it got to my dad a lot more than me. Um, and we still sometimes will read it. I don't read it nearly as much anymore. Um, I... I tend to never look at it. I actually don't even read swimming articles anymore yeah. unless it's about a record I broke or something. Cause it's, who doesn't like seeing something about themselves. Sure. Yep. Um, but I, I don't anymore. But when I was young, we read a lot of it. Um, and there were certain things that would stick out and you'd kind of replay it in your head. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as much as it was negative, I kind of, found a way to turn it into a positive and it did help motivate me. So like, you know, there's some tough days in training where I'd be like, okay, like this guy said this, he said, Oh, he's not going to be able to swim a tune at I am. Or I remember one specifically was um, a while back. We were maybe 13, 14 years old. And somebody had said he could never break the 400 I am national record with this training method. And so we took a month and a half and all we did is train for the 4am. We broke the nag by two seconds. And so we thought like, okay, like if you think that's how it's going to work, like you literally just challenged us to this. And yeah. so, so we went and did it. Um, and that was, you know, those are kind of fun stories inside of that negative world. I yeah, do think sure. the comment section can be pretty unruly and, and it's just, it's scary how anonymity gives people the right to say whatever the heck they want. Mm -hmm. um, and it's devastating because I see two of the things I write about my friends and my other athletes that are training and racing. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't have that same like capacity to say, man, like I'm going to stick it to them. Cause that it hurts. Like we're humans. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, man, I, I, I agree with that. And I'm glad that you've kind of, diverted away from reading it you know and uh, i don't think it's helpful I, i've done the same thing too I, I don't even pay any attention now and when something comes up uh, you know there's a big story that broke just recently about the university of alabama and coley stickle <laughs> stepping down and you know everyone had an opinion on that all of a sudden it was like right. i i just didn't even go near i'm like i, no. I got no it's interest. not worth it especially when you have relationships too like i love coley he's amazing yeah yeah oh, yeah i've ever had with him has been cool mm -hmm. and so it's just it, it dilutes your opinion of people and it changes things. It's not yeah. necessary. Yeah, Especially not necessary. When, like, it's the same thing as like going back to my opinion of what people's opinions are of us. It's like, you guys have no idea mm -hmm. who I am. You don't yep. know who Coley is. You don't know the yep. ins and outs. It's all speculation. hundred percent. Well, on that, in, in terms of your training, let's get to that real quick. How has your training evolved over the years in, in terms of you know obviously you started doing the usrpt um pretty strictly talk to me about the evolution of your training a little bit yeah so i think the biggest area of our training evolving has kind of been in what i've started to focus on in, in racing so everything being very specific so it's usrpt ultra short race pace training the number one ruling principle is specificity. So if we're going to train for a 50, it's got to be, you know, 25s at that pace as much as possible because the way our brain works, we create these neural pathways. So it's just like coding in a computer. You want it to have an input so that when you come to output, it just happens subconsciously, naturally. Sure. Um, 
what we have kind of changed, and this was something that kind of started, I'd say, 2018, 2019 world champs, um, after swimming all 450s at a high level, being happy with that, it was cool. I went through a phase where, man, all I want to do is sprint. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the Bruno Fratus of all four strokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was fun, and I had the capability, but I remember finishing world champs and thinking, dang. And this was kind of fueled by other coaches and friends and mentors who were saying, man, Michael, you can swim all 450s that fast. Imagine you put that into a 200 IM. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I hate hearing that. Because that's <laughs> it was an event when I was little. I had like this PTSD of the 4 IM and the 200 IM. Mm -hmm. and I don't know what it came from, but it was just something that I never enjoyed training for. Mm -hmm. And it was always very difficult because I understood that in order to, you know, have that endurance for a 200, you're going to have to put in double the work in training. It's just, there's that correlation and USRPT shows that. And so our trainings evolved now in that we're focusing more on our hundred breaststroke, our 53 and that 200 IM getting ready for the Olympic games where we know in order to make it and to finish those events well and strong, we're going to have to put in some more yardage, but the principle of training has stayed the same. So it's all about the repetition. It's short uh, short work, short rest, but instead of doing just 25s at 100 pace for a short amount, you know, where you're probably reaching a max of maybe 2,500 yards a session, we're now pushing four or 5K at 200 pace with 50s because that's just how it, obviously it doubles as the distance doubles. So we're definitely putting more time in the pool. And that's what's kind of funny is people look at USRPT and think, oh man, this has got to be so easy. Like you're just mm. swimming a bunch of 25s, <laughs> yeah. but every day gets harder mm -hmm. as much as it's the exact same set over and over. I think that's what makes it the hardest is the fact that we can compare today's to yesterday's. And oh, yesterday's so it's the same set. Week, it's everything's the same. Oh, we, okay. nothing. The only thing that will ever change is now. So we're kind of, as we get back into it, the conditioning, our rest time is a little more like, so we're doing five extra seconds of rest. But as we start to get more conditioned, we'll drop down the rest time. But then the only thing that will ever change from there is our make times. So in theory, so say I'm training for a two minute 200 freestyle mm -hmm. and we're doing a 200 pace set, it would be goal is max 30 fifties at 15 seconds per 25. That split broke down would be our two minutes. Um, Throughout the set of those 30, your body goes through each kind of segment of the 200 mm. where you have to learn how to pace yourself. Obviously, if you gun it the first 650s, you're going to hurt the last mm. quarter of that set. Um, and you have to manage your fatigue under the rest, the breathing, all of that. And so I've learned how to pace myself in a race by pacing myself through these sets. And then obviously because of that... Um, constant repetition of time your body gets used to the velocity the stroke the tempo the stroke count the amount of kicks you have to do underwater all sorts of things um but yeah the set always stays the same the goal is always 30 50s but if you don't make your time you don't make your interval so you hit the wall and you're 31 seconds versus the 30 then you take a break and that break is going to only be one cycle. So one cycle would be that 50 
plus the rest you would have been allotted. So say it's 20 seconds per 50. So you get 50 seconds break and then you go again. The moment you take three fails inside those 30 fifties, you're done. Even if you've only made it to 16 fifties. Mm. And the reason we do that is because that's kind of the only way you can communicate to your brain that the pace you're holding is too slow. So if we were to push through that and continue holding a slower pace, our body would then code those movements and think, oh, like I can make these times. These are good. But then when you come to race, you go a 202 versus your two minute, two or three. Um, and so that's kind of the principle behind it. And then obviously do the same for fly, back, breast, free. The only things that are really different for me is our 200 IM sets are a little custom. It's not completely USRPT, um, at least completely to Dr. Brent Russell's science and methodology, but it's more something that I feel has worked. And I love it because what we'll do is we'll go 75s, but we'll do it fly back breast, back breast free. And we'll do a round of six or seven 75s three times through. And the idea is being able to go from energy systems where it's like fly to back, mm -hmm. being able to switch strokes. Cause yep. if you don't do that in training and you go to swim at 200 IM and you switch and you do some all four strokes in mm -hmm. one combined thing, it's very different on the whole body. Shock the hell out of you. Yeah. Who, um, so many questions with this, by the way, I'm fascinated. It's very fast. How many times a week are you doing this? Oh, every session. Um, I mean, how many so, sessions a week? So right now we're doing, so I've done six swim sessions or no seven since Monday. So we go three, we're doing three swims on Monday, three swims on Tuesday. We a single on Wednesday and then we do another triple on Thursday, single on Friday, single on Saturday. And then Sunday is completely off. Oh, wow. That's a um, lot. So how long does the workout take? So our morning swim is two hours. Then our second, so number two and number three of those days we triple are just an hour. Okay. And the reason we do that is we go in and we do two sets max. And it's just very intense effort, very little to no warm up because the opening first couple 50s or 25s of the set that counts as our warm up anyway. Okay. And then it's just kind of this deliberate, okay, we're going in, we're working and we're getting out. Mm. I'm very fortunate too. The pool is like a block, two blocks inland. Um, so the YMCA is really close. So we can make three sessions like that work. Um, and it also kind of stemmed from the fact that, you know, when we first started booking with the Y, we're to this area where you can only slot 45 minutes um, and they take 15 minutes yeah. to spray down the chairs and you have to like wait and things sure. like that. And so we were trying that manually kind of on our own, but now we've been very fortunate they're letting us get in three times a day so we can at least get the amount of sets. So it's the same amount of sets we're doing, just spaced out across more sessions. Um, so Monday, Tuesday feels pretty hectic. By the end of the day, it feels like I've literally just been to the pool, back, eat, nap, to the pool, back, eat, nap, to the pool, <laughs> back, and then in bed, getting ready for the next day. Well, so not only that, you, you're, you're, brush, you're glossing over to the pool situation. When you're at the pool, you're giving yourself a heart attack while you're there. You know, it's like, yeah, bang, 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 Every time, like even the last like few sessions, I'll get out of the pool and my chest is red and my shoulders is like, man, this is the first time I've been like physically just destroyed. And mm -hmm. So it's been fun getting back into it. Um, but it is kind of, it's intense because we've kind of just jumped back into a full steam after quite a bit of time, like kind of getting back into it. 
And so, so I'm trying to figure this out as we're going. You're not, you're not just training to IM then. You're obviously training yeah. for the IM, then another session you'll train for the yeah, sprint event. Right. And then, so, so you, you, yeah, you're basically yeah. breaking it up into events. It is 100%. So, like our, so we kind of, we typically have our morning sessions is more endurance based. So that's mm -hmm. like we'll do our tuner pace stuff. Um, it's usually the hardest session. It takes the longest time. And you really mentally and physically have to be the most fresh for it. Because to do it at the end of the day, it's just going to be really difficult. Um, so we put our tuner pace in the morning. And then the middle session, we do more of an aerobic. That's where we do like our 75s. So it's still tuner based pace based focus. Um, but the time isn't as much a factor because we're pushing these 75. So it's kind of grinding and getting to a point where so my, my biggest issue in the turn that I am is that last 50, I can be on world record pace to the 150 meters. But the moment I hit that last 50 and come back three south, I go a 30 point. Now that's, what's going to be my defining factor, whether I break that world record or not is if I can finish that last 50 strong. And so that's kind of why we're doing those 75s, get to a point of just fatigue, breakdown, and then we'll do katsu training, which is just blood flow restriction at the end of it to really simulate that pain sure. and learning how to push through that. And then all while maintaining this extension, length, stroke, things like that, that we lack in the race. So um, you've set your times at kind of, at your, you've set your paces at world record pace, basically. Yeah. But it's converted yeah. to short course. So we train short course yards primarily. Um, very rarely do we actually do any long course training. Um, one does, that, does that hurt you? I, I think not as much as most people would imagine. Um, for me, I prefer racing long course. I'm much stronger in the swim. I'll swim people down, but I lose it in the turns in the underwater. So... I like the short course training because it's, it's forcing me to get better underwater. Um, but I do, you know, there was a part in, I remember in the summer going into March, we were doing two or three sessions of our tuner pace work, long course. And I think that's ideal. Um, really the reason we do everything short course now though is one, pool space is hard. But for training for 100 free, 100 breasts, 100 fly, 100 back, all that as well. Um, you can't do it in long course pool. At least I don't like the way we train with USRBT. It's really not smart to hold fifties at hundred pace and you can't really stop in the middle of the pool. Sure. It, it changes the dynamic. Completely. Yep. Now are you doing this all on your own, like training alone? Yeah. hundred percent on my own. My dad is coach. So yep. he, he catches every split, writes yep. it down. So it's just the two of us walking, okay. going up and down the pool. Yeah. Is, have, uh, have you ever thought of, uh, changing that or is that something that you're completely comfortable with i love it um it is something that for application purposes it's hard to have the same amount of attention on me so we have definitely we've had athletes come and train with us for months or weeks at a time oh, okay. and, and it's worked well and i think what's really good too is maybe more in the building months or building weeks where time doesn't have to be to the hundredth. It's nice to have someone else grinding with you knowing, okay, like they're struggling, I'm struggling. It's easier to get through a session because, you know, sometimes I will drive to the pool and I'll see the surf and it'll be amazing. I'm like, oh, like I'm the only one in the pool I want to go surf. And so it is nice to have a partner. Um, and we've been on training trips with our New York Breakers team. And like those kind of things are really fun. But I do think, you know, I've done this 
on my own since I was who I want to say like maybe 13 or 12, maybe 12 years old. So since I was 12, I've been learning how to just internally do it on my own. Um, and the stopwatch is my training partner. So that's the thing is it's hard to find someone as fast or as specific and doing the same events as you that can actually push you without mm-hmm. pulling you away from being most productive. Yeah, it makes sense. And, yeah. and in, a, in a way, you are training with a partner. You're training with the world record line. It's almost like when you yeah. watch events on TV and they have that world record line, that's your training partner. 100%. It is. And that's the thing is even mentally like so, and this may sound totally kooky, but I, to you probably not being coach athlete, you understand that, you know, when I'm training through a hard set, sometimes I'll visualize Caleb next to me. Sure, I'll be sure. like, okay, Caleb, you're there. I'm pulling away from you. Mm-hmm. Or like Caleb's a little bit ahead of me. I'm pulling up and I'm out touching him. So like those kind of mental games and those, um, those picturing the, a certain outcome plays a huge role in me being able to show up and race with these guys, having never trained with a person, being able to push myself like I do. Um, so it's kind of doing with what you got and using your brain, man. It's like, it's unbelievable how powerful our brain is. Mm-hmm. Like it blows my mind. So yeah. yep. why do you think more people aren't doing what you're doing? If you're having success with this, you're proving that it's working over many years now and, uh, and you keep evolving, you keep getting faster. Why aren't more people doing it? I honestly think a lot of people are, um, I think a lot of people are doing it. Maybe not pure USRPT. I think there's there's been a, an evolution of sure. USRPT. So there's a bit of a hybrid around. A yeah. lot of people are doing more pace work. They understand that in order to swim fast, you got to train fast. I agree. So that, that makes sense. It's common sense. Um, how they're doing it, I don't know. It could be broken up completely differently. But I do think there's a lot more people, specifically the master's programs, high school programs, and these, these teams or even individuals that don't have the same amount of time or the free space to do what they want, they're looking to alternatives. And USRPT has become that kind of perfect alternative. But now it's morphing into something that's not just an alternative to training well, but now maybe the smartest way for you to train. Um, and that's kind of interesting. And what we'll see is over the years, how does it pan out? And I think it, I'm looking forward to the day that I'm not the only athlete who is on the national team winning medals and publicly speaking, this is the only training I do. Because I think that's when it will really start to catch fire even more so. Um, oh, nice, nice. So what event do you make the Olympic team in? What are you aiming at? Where do you think, yeah. you, can, where do you think you can get on this team? So, um, so God willing, there's three events that I'm really focusing on. Um, if I'm well-trained for all these three events, I could make it in anything. I swim at trials, I believe. Um, I, I'm confident that I have that ability. It's just on the day. Sure. So my three events of focus are 50 free. Um, I always love that race. It's always been the first race I broke a national record in. I, there's nothing like going as fast as you can from point A to point B. It's, I believe it's the, the, it's like the gold standard. I just, the 53 is where it's at. I agree. We can stop the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> it's the only race where you, you're actually moving from point A to point B. Everywhere else, you just end at the same spot. Yeah. Um, 
the hundred breaststroke. Um, over the years, I've seen my breaststroke develop very quickly. I think there's there's a natural rhythm that my stroke has, and a lot of length that I'm able to utilize being six six, and so that's a big focus for me. And two, I swam. I think it was actually my only hundred I won a national title in, and then two hundred IM being all four strokes, you yeah. know, that's, it's just a given. And it makes sense that I need to be there. And I think too, what makes the 200 I am an event that I'm very confident is I swim at like a hundred. I'm not going to be swimming at like a 200 fly or a 200 back because it's a very different race. Being able to change from stroke to stroke allows for a different dynamic. A lot more speed is put into it. You know, the pacing is hundred percent different. And that's, I think what's been my saving grace in looking at the 200 I am as one of my prime events is that it's it's not really in my mind a 200 if that makes any sense yeah uh, it doesn't make sense to me i wouldn't swim it but it makes sense <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, it's hard it hurts i've had so many two almost all of my really good 200s i finished the race feeling like i'm gonna throw up yeah just throbbing yeah um, but i realized the reason my body is at that point is i just haven't ever been i've never been trained for a 200 i am I've never fully been conditioned and ready for it. And that's what makes me really excited is the fact that I can go a 156.8, having purely trained for 50s and 100s. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited for it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, who, who, tell me this. Who was your first Olympic inspiration, your first memory of an Olympic uh, swimmer? Who was that for you? My first memory. Okay. So it pops in my head right away. This is Missy Franklin. Um, it was at the Minnesota Minneapolis Grand Prix back when it was the Grand Prix. This was ages ago. And I think it was like my second year going to these Grand Prix. Um, I was still like kind of flying under the radar, just this little kid, super skinny, um, swimming fast, but not really like there yet. And um, I remember one of these meets, Missy and I had kind of become friends. I think um, there was a coach who had introduced us and Alex, it was Alex Cronin. I don't know if you know Alex Cronin, Mm -hmm. yeah, but just awesome dude. He introduced me to Missy and um, Missy on the other side of the pool deck was like, Michael. And so she came and gave me a hug. And so that was kind of my first memory. And it's like, man, this, this girl is amazing. She has this Olympic drive, but she also, she loves people well. She is, you know, an advocate for the sport. She's very upbeat positive just loves what she's doing and so that was kind of my first thing and then over the years I've you know become friends and part of that community and I remember meeting Phelps for the first time in Mesa and those kind of things were those stick out but what about your first Olympic uh, memory experience you know in terms of watching the Olympics what was that for you yeah so my first memory is it's kind of a vague memory um I was pretty young I think I was nine or eight years old this was 2008 watching phelps just dominate in beijing and yeah. so i i recall having kind of we i had just started swimming at the time our neighbors had introduced us to the swim program i was kind of this irritate, irritating kid who kept leaving footballs and soccer balls in the field and their daughter swam and they're like hey like michael's got so much energy just put him in the swim team mm-hmm. <laughs> and i started swimming fell in love with the water very quickly progressed and then the Olympics come on and I'm now the swimming and doing well. It's like, this looks pretty cool. Um, And then it all kind of finally clicked by the time I turned 10, that was when I broke my first national record. And it's like, man, 
I love this. I, I remember signing my first autograph um, and I still joke to this day, it took me longer to sign my name on a t-shirt than it did to break the national record, which I think was a 26 at the time. So I was like, not really good. And that's when I started learning and practicing my signature. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a wild journey. Even just looking back at like how long ago that was, it's kind of kind of cool to see um, just all the ups and downs and the different seasons we've gone through. I think we'll We'll write a pretty mean book one day. Oh, absolutely, for sure. It is the Olympic year. Do you feel like you need to be an Olympian to justify who you are and what you do? Not at all. No, I, um, and I don't say that with uh, like, oh, the Olympics isn't as big a deal. I think the Olympics right now, it is the, it's the pinnacle of the sport. Um, if you're an Olympic gold medalist on the day, of course, you're the best there is. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that swimming as a whole is changing and I'm, I'm hopeful that it becomes something that you don't have to be an Olympian or a gold medalist to be financially viable, uh, be able to raise a family and things like that and not have to work a second job. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm headed with my thought is, you know, the Olympics is amazing. It makes sense. That's where there's the most viewership every four years, which is unfortunate. But I do think it's it's changing and people are starting to understand that. And I'm excited to see the swimming community kind of grow and become more, um, you know, mainstream outside of just the Olympics. But yeah. it is, it's a big year. Uh, it is. It is, the Olympic year always is a big year. And there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of nerves. You know, I still wake up like nervous. Like it's something that, you know, you put a lot of your life and focus into. But at the end of the day, it doesn't define who I am. And if I never make an Olympic team, so be it. Um, I'll continue swimming fast, doing what I do, and using this platform to love on the community around me. Let's give your sponsors a shout out. Who are your current sponsors right now? Yeah, so I'm currently with PowerDot. So it's been a, a weird year. Um, I'm working with PowerDot and we've actually, so PowerDot is a muscle stimulator. I actually got it right here. It's, it's um, these little nodes that goes on. It's like a mini TENS device. And so that's the biggest thing for me is in recovery. And then outside of that, we're working on some pretty exciting deals. I can't give much on it, um, but we're hoping that that comes out relatively soon as we kind of push for this Olympic year. Are you still with Adidas? I'm not, not, okay. not at the moment. Yeah. So you, so you don't have a suit company just right now? Nope, not with a suit company right now. Yeah, but it's, I'm, I'm really, there's, we're speaking to some people yeah. um, and it's, uh, it'll be fun. We'll see. I kind of, I wish I could say, I wish I could say like what's happening, where it's at, but still negotiating and working on something. But you feel pretty confident you'll have a suit sponsor before the Olympic trials or, or. I believe so. Okay. I, I believe so. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not beholden on that. Um, I think it's been a really odd lead up to the games with everything being secured going into 2020 and then things kind of being flipped on the head and changed so a lot of companies and stuff have had to change the way they do their four-year cycle um and so regardless of what happens and where we go now i um my focus is purely on getting to the games breaking some world records and swimming super fast and good plan and then after that whoever wants to speak, we speak. It's, yeah. That's the thing is I think, you know, ultimately performance talks and 
we'll see where it goes. Do you have an agency or do you, do you let your uh, yeah. family handle that as well? So um, I've been working with an agent for the last two years now. Um, his name's Guy East. So Guy East uh, Sports Agency. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun. He's a good friend of mine. Cycled back in the day with um, Armstrong's team. Was amazing. But he branched off, started Hope Sports, and had a purpose and a vision. So very like-minded in the way we think and um, met through Hope Sports and through our, our Bible sheets. So it's been a fun journey so far. Awesome, man. Well, just to kind of wrap things up a little bit here, in terms of the New York Breakers, where's where's that headed? Uh, are you do you guys own the New York Breakers, or what's the situation so there? We do. So we're part owners of the New York Breakers. Um, myself, my mom, my dad, and and then Constantine. Um, and so right now, it's hard to say. Um, obviously, we're we're preparing for season three, post Olympic Games, and. Really, I'm not as much to do with the logistics side of it. So my mom's our GM. She's our general manager. Mm-hmm. She focuses on all of the minutia and the conversations, the details, the sponsors, things like that. Um, so it would definitely be a better question for her. So maybe she should she should come up on the podcast sometime. Yeah, maybe that's for sure. Absolutely, I'd love to have her. But um, well, listen, man, I, I know you're busy, and I know you're uh, you know you're hard at it. You're doing three days and need your rest. So listen, uh, I appreciate today's my rest day. So I I got my two hours done this morning. Oh, good. Maybe go for a surf and a little. <laughs> good. Well, uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time. It's been very informative. I love it. Um, the one last question, just in terms of your faith and your athletics, how do those intertwine? Yes, I love that. It's a good question. Um, so for me, I believe that I believe in God. I believe Jesus died on the cross for us. And um, so I'm a Bible-believing Christian. And I think how it plays a role in my sports and athletics is – it gives me the freedom to race without the fear of failure, because I know regardless of what I do, I have a purpose beyond myself. I know I'm loved, whether it's by God or by my family. Um, and I know that he's got a plan for me. I believe my, my gift, my talent is swimming and it was given by him and given to me for a reason. And I want to make sure that I cultivate that to the best of my ability. And so I think that's Kind of how faith plays a role in my sporting is it gives me the freedom to be against the grain. I think there's there's less fear in stepping out if you're so confident in who you are and what you believe in, and it gives me that ability. So I think that's that's the biggest area where where awesome, mate. In closing, here is there any projects or anything coming up in the horizon for you guys that you want to share with us? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so there's a huge project. Um, this has been something we've We've dabbled with the idea for a couple years now, Um, but my dad and I have, thank goodness to COVID, and that's part of why 2020 was awesome, is we had a lot of time to sit down and work on our academy. So my dad and I have created this academy with the sole goal and focus being educating everybody with what we've learned over the years about training, nutrition, psychology, the conditioning of it, um, how we've gone about it, but then Furthermore, beyond the courses, giving people full and direct access to us. So we want to be setting up these webinars where we can communicate, um, custom tailored programs, training, be able to give everybody really all of the tools, all the resources that we've kind of come up with, learned and used over the years so that others can get faster as we have. Um, So that's kind of the big thing is our academy and people can head over to swimmermichael.com. 
really easy access. The website looks awesome. There's an academy link up top and you guys can get in and, and just submit your email and we will start rolling things out. Hopefully March, I think things are going to start rolling. Um, could be sooner. So I got to put your email in, but yeah, that's the biggest thing right now is, is our academy and, and we're pretty stoked about it. That's pretty cool. Time. Is there different levels within this in terms of like, you know, you can join here or you can do this or you can get the full package? So right now we're setting up where once you join the academy, you get full access to all of the courses. Um, okay. I believe there's going to be tier system things later on. Um, there's some things we're still kind of hashing out. It will evolve over the years for sure. But in the beginning, the phase, like what we really want to do now is give people as much knowledge, as much info as possible. Um, I think where things might change is just with time. Uh, you know, how much time can we give to ourselves to make sure that, you know, when we are helping people one-on-one -on -one or individually or through classrooms, that we can be effective. Um, and that's, that's the challenge. That's what we're going to have to figure out. Is it exclusive right now in terms of how many people you think you could handle right now? No. So right now, anyone can join the academy. There's no limit. Um, the tools that will be set up is like our baseline is definitely going to be access for everyone. Everyone can get the, the broad package. Um, and I think what I'm more thinking later on is what sort of like, maybe is there like a one-on-one -on -one in-person thing, things like that. Um, awesome. How that'll evolve. And there's be all sorts of deals and stuff for sponsors and merchandise and, and other fun things that will come along with it. Perfect, man. I love it. Give us that website one more time. Yeah, swimmermichael.com. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, please pass on to your parents. I think they've done an outstanding job with you. For a 21-year-old, you're very mature, very well-spoken, got your head on straight. You know exactly where you want to go, and uh, I think that's admirable. So Thank congrats, you. man. I'm, I'm a big fan and uh, looking forward to seeing how you do this year, okay? Appreciate it. Hey, if you and Cody, if we ever want to do some USRPT stuff, let's – get together i'd love that actually yeah that'd be a lot of fun uh, we do like a hundred fly set together he would love that that would be amazing <laughs> i'll text him right after this and let him know you said that so That's um, good. appreciate it man all right take care eh? cheers have a good one see you mate